0: Hosea, and so you can uh, make your way over to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. Um, I love the fact that we just continue to move forward in this book. We covered chapter five last week, and if so, um, so again, we're going to be in Hosea chapter six. Maybe I should get there myself. Um, I do want to read the last verse of Hosea chapter five because it actually goes with the first three verses of of chapter six. Um, and so again, I, I think you you know by now that that not it didn't start off with chapter and verses, it was just a letter. And so sometimes they cut it in, in a place that you're going, ah, eh, you could have moved it a little different. But anyway, so. I'm assuming you're in uh, Hosea chapter 6 and if you are, go to Hosea chapter five, uh, 5 verse 15 and we'll start from there. It says, I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Come and let us return to the Lord for he has torn But he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. From his going forth, for his his going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter rain and the former rain to the earth. Father, I pray that you would bless this portion as we will read the rest of it in a bit, Lord. Give me wisdom, Lord, as I share it with my brothers and sisters, I pray in Jesus' name. Where it says in verse 15, and I kind of want to go back because I really didn't cover it all last week. I know I run out of time oftentimes, and the last verse kind of kind of falls by the wayside. But in, in verse 15, he says, "I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face, in their affliction, they will earnestly seek me." And then he goes right into chapter six. As I shared with you last week, this last verse, speaks of a remnant, a, a, a small portion that remains. It speaks of this remnant that will remain in the last days. When, when Israel will finally acknowledge their offense, and then they will be restored to God, which still has not truly happened. Oh, there has been moments in Israel's history where they turned. And and, and we see that throughout the Old Testament. During their captivity, when they were taken, not so much the the northern uh, part of Israel, but the southern part, when they went to to Babylon, um, there was a time where they turned to the Lord, and the Lord met them even in their captivity. And even after they came back to their land, they really never went back after other gods, but but they had their moments of coming back to him. But as I shared with you, that even in the days of Jesus, which would have been some 600, 700 years after the writing here, they truly had not truly turned to the Lord fully. And this is what Je- Jesus said to them when he was about to, when, when he was walking on this earth towards the end of his ministry, in Matthew chapter 23, and I read this to you last week, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house has left, left you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till they say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so, as I shared with you before, all the stuff that we're studying here, all the stuff that we're going through here, and we, and I will continue to say that that ultimately the purpose of, of God, God's judgment, the Lord's judgment to His people was to restore them. It wasn't to... to to, to destroy, it was to restore their lives. And I think oftentimes in our lives, He allows us to, to go do what we want to go do. And He gives us enough rope to, to leave Him But he never does it to where he turns us away. He lets us go. I was talking to somebody not too long ago who felt that they had been away from the Lord for such a long time. And they just felt like, now I got to get back into God's good graces. And it's like, well, it's not that God punished you while you were out doing your own thing. You just missed out on all the blessings that he had for you. And so so we see here how, how, again, God's judgments, they were not, that their purpose was ultimately to restore. And so after having received their just punishment for their sins, God's people would turn to Him in repentance. Because this is the part, this is a part of what it means to to have this redeeming love. In other words, even when somebody leaves and, and there's, there's this ugliness that happens, this redeeming love still sees and sees some worth in that person or in that thing. Paul, not Paul, but, but the Lord still had this love for the nation of Israel. Even in the midst of their punishment. There was some redeeming quality. In his people. And that's why this book. Even though it looks like a lot of judgment. And there is. Don't get me wrong. There's this redeeming quality. That's, that's associated with it. That he continues to, to draw them. Even though it's going to take some time. The phrase where it says Till they acknowledge their offense can also be rendered until they admit their guilt. And it should be translated until they bear their punishment. The, the way the Amplified puts verse 15, it says, I will return to my place on high till they acknowledge their offenses and feel their guilt and face and seek my, my face. In their affliction and distress, they will seek, inquire for, and require me earnestly, saying. The New Living Translation, verse 15. And I'm going to give you a couple of those times because it, I, I just think it's interesting the way the Amplified the New Living Translation puts them. But verse 15 of the New Living Translation says Then I will return to my place till they admit their guilt and turn to me. For as soon as trouble comes, they will earnestly search for me. Here's a hard truth about this whole situation that that we see is going on in the northern kingdom. This this is where they found themselves. And and this is where, where the southern kingdom had been warned about what was going on in the northern kingdom. The hard truth was that they were playing games with God. They were playing games, but God was not playing this game with them. Not on God's part. God does not play games. He allows His people even to play games when it comes to serving Him. But he never plays games with people. And it almost sounds like, well, because he hasn't punished me severely, he must be okay with what I'm doing. And he's never okay with what we're doing. When, when, when it's sin, when it's contrary, when it's disobedience, he is never okay. And, and, and I think oftentimes we have that mindset, but I haven't got truly punished. This is where, again the southern kingdom had been, found themselves, or or the northern kingdom, this is where they found themselves, playing this game with God. This, This portion here, God says to them, in verse 14, earlier, basically, I, even I, will tear them away and go my way, and I will take them away, and, and no one will rescue. And it's almost like God saying, I don't play that game. If you want to go play your games, then go play, but I will not hear your prayers. And that's pretty harsh. But that's the reality. That's the hard truth, that when we decide to go do our own thing, then there comes a time that God says, I'll let you go do what you want to do, but my hands are off. And, and this is where I was battling as I'm looking at this, and I, I put that statement where God doesn't hear their prayers anymore. Is it, is it true that God can't hear our prayers when we're out in rebellion? It's like he sees it all, he hears it all, so, so he does hear our prayers. But the thing is that he doesn't pay attention to our prayers because he says, you wanted to go play your games, go play your games. He says, I will go back to my place like like a lion who goes back to his lair or or his den. I will go and wait over there until the nation undergone or underwent their punishment. And it's almost like there's a stark contrast of, of what they had done earlier what we saw earlier in in chapter 5 this hypocritical quest that they were having that when they got in trouble they would bring their sacrificial rituals and they would they would bring everything to them because in verse 6 of the last chapter he says with their flocks and their herds they they shall go to seek the lord but they will not find him he has withdrawn himself from them and so we see kind of what's going on here that, that they, they, they've gotten themselves in trouble and the people will genuinely and earnestly seek him. And, and, and so now that's what it sounds like in verse 15. They will now seek him because of what's gone on. And they will seek him. But now we enter into our text in verse 6, or chapter 6, where they are saying, this is them saying, come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn, but He will heal us. He has stricken, but He will bind us. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will raise us up, that we may live in His sight. Let us know. Let us pursue in knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain on the earth. These verses seem to record the words of a very penitent, repentant, contrite, remorseful people. who understand why the Lord had basically turned His face away from them. Because they understood their sin. It's almost as if they've acknowledged their sin, so now they're going, come and let us return to the Lord. Now it was time to seek the Lord. You see, these three verses seem to contain an exhortation for those who now understand and acknowledge their offenses. Come, let us return to the Lord. That's the exhortation. Guys, let's go go serve the Lord again. And, 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 And again, we hear again, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. So we see this exhortation that they're exhorting one another, they're telling one another, hey guys, we messed up royally, now it's time to go back. And yet there's this, this motivation that's promised, uh, the, there's a motivating promise for them that if they come, return and pursue, then it will, they will have redemption. Because it, 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 it looks like this, it, 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 it's like because he has torn, but he will heal. He has stricken, but he will bind up. Two days, maybe three days, and everything will be back to normal, basically. You know why? Because He is faithful. He is faithful. He, he says, let, let us follow Him and do all these things because His going forth is established as the morning. And He will come to us like the rain. Last week... We, we saw the foolishness of the northern kingdom in verse 14 or 13. They, they, they had turned to the Assyrians, this, this army that was going to be invading. They tried to, to make things right with them. It, it, it says that they turned to them. Ephraim, the northern kingdom, went to Assyria and sent to the king. Yet he could not cure them nor heal their wounds. They had turned to someone else instead of God in the hopes that, well, maybe you can take care of our situation and get us out of the situation. They were not able to do that. But the Lord is able. Even though He was like a lion and tore them apart in in His judgment, tore them into pieces. Deuteronomy 32, 39. Says, now see that I, even I, am He, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. Again, God is the one that is the only one that can truly minister to who we are. And I think that in our lives, when we decide that we want to do our own thing and we get ourselves in a situation, we oftentimes turn to other people, turn to other, other religions even. We turn to, to, to places that we think can bring a healing. And yet there is no healing except in the Lord. And I know that it sounds so cliche that when we're in trouble, turn to the Lord. And people is like, oh yes, that's your answer for everything. It is the answer. Because I think many of us have tried other things. Seeking other people, other situations to try to comfort us. And to try to heal the pain that we may be suffering from. And we turn to, to substances and we turn to, to, to people and we turn to all these things. Thinking that there's the answer. And, and you know it as well as I know it, we always come up dry. Always. No matter what we turn to to think will, this will solve the problem. So these people that we're looking at, understanding their foolishness and their folly in turning to the Assyrians first, they eventually turned back to the Lord. And it's interesting because they anticipated a restoration and they anticipated seemingly in a short period of time because when he says after two days he will revive us on the third day he will raise us up (laughs) they anticipated that God would be there for them why? because that's who God is In other words, this wasn't the first time that they had done something like this. That they had gotten themselves in a situation and they had turned back to God. And guess who was waiting for them? God. And yet, they're they're, they're in this time in history, the northern kingdom, where God says, yes, you can turn back to me. But as a nation, judgment, you've already passed that line, judgment will come. And there is no escaping that judgment. He was still going to give them, I I, I want to say about 70 years before all this came down, but they had already crossed that line with King Jeroboam. There was no returning after that. But this is who God is. And they knew this because They write right here, he says, let us know, let us acknowledge, or let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Why? Because his going forth is established as the morning. And he comes to us in like the rain, the the latter and former rain on the earth. In other words, the Lord is faithful, as faithful as the rising sun every morning. And He is as faithful as the rain that comes in due season. The the latter rain, the former rain and the latter rain. That's who God is. And I think that most of us understand that, I I think. I I think we know that God is pretty faithful. (laughs) That even when we're not faithful, He remains faithful. Because He can't deny Himself. In these three verses of chapter 6, 4 if we count verse 15 of 5, show a seemingly favorable response from the Lord, given the fact that they now have this newfound devotion and loyalty to the Lord. It sounds great. It sounds great because God had said, hey, return to me and I will bring you in. When you acknowledge your offenses, and it seems like verses one, 2, 3, they've acknowledged their offenses. So yes, God is okay with us. And so it seems like everything is going to go just great. But let's read the rest of the chapter and try to keep in mind here. As we read the rest of the chapter, That we are still in the indictment part of the book of Isaiah. The courtroom that that I shared with you, it's still in session. There's still this this thing going back and forth that they are being indicted for all the sin that they have committed. And so verse 4 to verse 11. O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like the morning cloud, and like the early dew, it goes away. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them with with the words of my mouth. And your judgments are like light. That goes forth for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings, but like men, they transgress the covenant. They have, they, there they dealt treacherously with me. Gilead is a city of evildoers and defile with blood. As bands of robbers lie in wait for a man, so the company of priests murder on the way to Shushan. Surely they commit lewdness. I have been, I have seen a terrible thing in the house of Israel. There is harlotry in, of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Also, O Judah a harvest is appointed for you when I return the captive of my people. When when, when you look at the the, the beginning of verse 4, where it says, O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? And and as you're reading that, it, it almost sounds like a frustrated parent that just doesn't know what else to do with their kid, right? To where you're just, you've tried, you've tried, you've instructed, you've told them this, you've told them that, and and they did it again, and you're going like, you tell me what I need to do to you. You tell me what, what, what will work at this moment, because I've done everything I could possibly do. You tell me, what am I supposed to do? Tell me me what it is. That's what it kind of sounds like here that God would turn to Ephraim and even Judah who was the sister who was the southern kingdom who wasn't quite where these guys are at but he's warning both of them. What should I do to you? (laughs) Now it isn't unusual for the accused in a trial to express regret and express remorse for what they've done and they ask for a second chance i don't know if you've ever done that when you've gotten caught (laughs) by your parent by your spouse by your boss by whoever and man oh man there's just this regret there's this remorse there's this kind of gurgling in your stomach going oh no i am in big heap trouble It's not abnormal for these guys that, that, that have found themselves going to, to, to Assyria for help and finding none and going, well, let's just turn back to the Lord. And the Lord going, what am I going to do with you, man? And what Israel just seemed to do, and I, I've used that word seemingly a few times, What they had just done here was kind of felt regret and remorse for what they've done. But there wasn't no true repentance here. God anticipated, just like these guys anticipated that he would forgive them, God anticipated this hypocritical trick or ploy and exposed not only their deceit and their true disloyalty, but he exposed their sinful ways in the way that they had treated him. You see, verses 1, 2, and 3, they show us that the nation of Israel said all the right words because they seem very sincere in their repentance in that now it's time to seek the Lord. Tell us what we need to do we will do it, and we know that you will forgive us, Lord. Why? Because you've always done that. You've always been there for us, that when we mess up, you are always there to forgive. It seems like everything was going good. But when we read these words in verses 4, 5, and 6, we see that their, their confession up here was seemingly shallow in reality. You see, they knew how faithful God was. As faithful as the rising of the sun every morning. That's how faithful their God was. He was as faithful as the coming rain all the time. And yet, this is what he he, he turns back to them. As they're they're saying, man, you are so good. You're such a good, good father. (laughs) You are faithful because you're always there. And this is what he turns to them in verse 4. It says, your faithfulness is like the morning cloud and like the early dew that goes away. What an indictment here. They're saying, you are so faithful. He says, you know how long your faith lasts? As soon as the sun comes up and that that morning cloud, as as soon as it heats up, you're gone. That dew that seems so glimmering and so shiny in the morning as the sun begins to hit it, as soon as it gets a little hotter, it's gone. And, And it's interesting because they're acknowledging how faithful he is, but he turns around and he says, Where's your faith? It lasts this long. (laughs) When when the heat starts coming, you turn away. As soon as everything starts coming down, you dry up. And there's nothing else in you. And it's almost like they understood the faithfulness of God, but their own faith was very, very shallow. Shallow. They were concerning themselves with healing, but they were not concerning themselves with cleansing. They saw their nation in a difficult situation and they wanted God to make things right quickly. They had not come with broken hearts and surrendered will. Oh, they wanted happiness, but they did not need and want holiness. They wanted a change of circumstances, but they were not willing to change their character. And and how often do we find ourselves just like them? We find ourselves in trouble and we we basically beg God to, to be our lifeguard to rescue us from the danger, but, but not necessarily deliver me from my sin. I still kind of like my sin, but I'm in big heap trouble right now and I need you to take me out of it because, because things are going to happen right now. And I think oftentimes this is the game that we play with God. And this is the game that they were playing with God. You see, we love to play games with God thinking that He doesn't know everything that we think we know. We often play with God, and because He doesn't punish us in our little game, we think that we're escaping it. And and, and when you look at the Old Testament here, again, He had saved them time and time again, but after Jeroboam, the, the, the judgment was now passed, and it was going to come. It was going to take another hundred years, but it was going to come. And I think oftentimes when we're playing the games with God... We, we have the opportunity because of his grace that oftentimes we don't have to deal with the circumstances and the consequences. But oftentimes we do. And oftentimes we think, well, they weren't that bad. But who's to say that then in a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, something comes knocking on your door. It's like, remember me back then? Remember the situation, and you're going, oh, geez, God, I thought you forgave me. He goes, no, I did. I forgave you of all of that. But there's still consequences that come with your sin. And I think that oftentimes we forget that, that whatever we sow, it will eventually come back around. Now, there are times, and I praise God for this, that He forgives and He takes it away, and you never have to deal with the consequences but there are other times that he allows that to happen. Why? Not because he hates you, but because this discipline needs to happen because he loves you, because he does want genuineness, not a game anymore. No more just telling me, doing it. Again, we find ourselves in situations just like these people here, you see, they, they were very good, just like we. They were very good at shedding tears of remorse over their suffering. But there was no tears of repentance over their sin. These guys, that is the nation of Israel, wanted a quick fix when they said, after two days, three days for sure, After two days, you will revive us. After the third day, man, we'll be back on track. And if we are honest with ourselves, we find ourselves in the very same place as these guys. We want a quick fix, Lord. I like what one commentator said. They were like physicians putting suntan lotion on a cancerous tumor instead of calling for a drastic surgery (laughs) i'll just put some just put some stuff on it (laughs) it's okay it's like no you're gonna die (laughs) instead of saying cut it off let's do something drastic no 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 just 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 rub a little something on it it'll go away Expecting a quick fix is one of the marks of an unrepentant heart that truly doesn't want to pay the full price, that truly doesn't want to go that deep. Let's just keep it on the surface, Lord. Just fix it. Put a band-aid on it. And he's going, I can't, man. I got to cut it off. It would be better for you, the Bible says, to enter into he- heaven maimed than, than going to hell in a full body. I'm paraphrasing the whole thing. B- but, but again, it's like oftentimes like, Lord, no, 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 just forgive it and just let me move on and no consequences. He's going, no, now I got to deal with it. They saw forgiveness and restoration as a mechanical matter, thing. They thought that, that, that this forgiveness and this restoration was a guaranteed thing. They didn't realize that, no, this is a relational matter. And God is the one that gets involved in here. He truly has your best in mind. He really does. And yet we think like, no, let, let, let's, just, let's just get it over with, Lord. Just do it, and then we're done. And because it's much easier to go through the motions with no emotions. And, and we feel that God has to come through. If we ask Him for forgiveness, He has to forgive, right? That's what we, that's what we say. And we, we, we see the scriptures and say, if, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. of of all our, our, our sins and all our unrighteousness. We believe that. And then we go back and do it again. And then we do it again. And we go back and forth. And this is where I get tripped up too. Because it's like, how many times have I asked God for forgiveness in these last 40 years of walking with Jesus? And why does He still love me so? Why does he, doesn't does he just cast me away? Because there's times that I'm going, Lord, I know that I'm walking with you. I know that I love you. But the sin that, that, that ensnares me and it just brings me down and I know that there would be those people while if you were truly repentant, you would never do it again. It's like, easy for you to say. Mr. or Mrs. Holiness. <laughs> you never... Went back to another sin, right? Ever? And see, this is where again, man, when we look at Old Testament, we look at New Testament, I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus, that we're in New Testament. And His grace never fails. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And I know that I should not take advantage of that, but I do. Just like you do as well. And I don't mean to make light of it. Because grace should not should not give us the liberty to continue to sin. It should lead us to repentance. But it's easier to go through the motions with no emotion. It's easier to talk the talk than really walk the walk. It really is. When we really have to put feet to our lives then there's certain things that i can't look at there's certain things i can't go to there's certain places i just don't want to be at there's certain things i don't want to watch there's certain things that that again it's like i got i I can't and sometimes i think it it's like lord am i being legalistic it's like no i'm I'm trying to protect my heart (laughs) trying to protect my eyes all of those things because there's, there's, there's times it's easy to, to talk than to walk. And I often tell people, if you've ever been in my office, it's easier for me to say it on this side of the desk than for you to walk out these doors and have to face what you've got to go face. And I know sometimes it's easier to preach it from here. That way. <laughs> but I can guarantee you, before I preach it that way, it's preached this way <laughs> when I'm studying it. And I still battle those things because I'm looking at this story, I'm going, man, they said all the right words. They did all the right things. And yet God called them out. You know that I'm faithful, but your faithfulness is nothing. That's pretty harsh. So he calls them out and he basically says with their words, what do I do with that because I know you don't mean it what do I do with that what do I do with you you see he knew that they, were there, they had just gone through the motions In the Amplified, verses 5 and 6 sound like this. Time out. 5 and 6 through the Amplified. Therefore, I have hewn down and smitten them by means of the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, my judgments pronounced upon them by the prophets are like the light that goes forth. Verse 6, for I delight, for I desire and delight in dutiful, steadfast love and goodness, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of an acquaintance uh, of God more than burnt offering. The New Living Translation puts 5 and 6 like this. I sent my prophets to cut you to pieces, to slaughter you with my words, with judgments as inescapable as light. Verse 6, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. The Lord is reminding the nation of Israel, Ephraim, the northern kingdom. Through the prophet Hosea, once again, he's using a prophet, that his judgment will come and it will be extreme. He would smite, cut, and slaughter them. By using the prophets who spoke the word of God, saying, here's the judgment. Here's the judgment. And he shed light on all their sin, using the prophets, using the word of God. And yet, they continued to turn a deaf ear. God didn't want their relationship, nor does God want our our relationship with him. To be one that is shallow, with fleeting, passing, temporary feelings, full of empty words and rituals, hearts that are enthusiastic one day, and then frigid and cold the next day. He says, I desire mercy, loyal love, not sacrifice the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Understand that sacrificial or or superficial rituals can never take the place of sincere love and faithful obedience to God. Again, a lot of us, we know the right things to say. When we're in a situation, we know, okay, I need to repent. I need to go in prayer. Oh, yeah, I got to get back to church. I got to be doing this. I got to be doing that. I got to be doing that. And God basically says, I don't need that. That's not what I need. I need your love and your obedience. But here, Lord, let me sacrifice. Let me give you my burnt offerings. Lord, don't you like those things? (laughs) Let me read some scriptures to you. That have to do with all of this. First Samuel 15, 22 and 23. And this is when King Saul, the first king, decided to take things into his own hands. So Samuel, the prophet, said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed, Than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. That was a very, very harsh time. Because King Saul thought he wanted to do the right thing and he would take the place of a priest, but he was a king. That wasn't his lane. He wasn't supposed to be there. But he thought, oh yeah, God will be okay with it. And God says, I'm not okay with it. I would much rather have your obedience than your sacrifice. And because you have rejected the word of the Lord, then I will reject you. Amos verse 5, or chapter 5, verses to the Lord speaking through the prophet I hate I despise your feast days and I will not savor your sacred assemblies though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings I will not accept them nor will I regard your fatted peace offerings take away from me the noise of your songs for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream Malachi or Micah verses 6 or chapter 6 verses 6 through 8 with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? The, first, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord desires or requires of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. What what he is telling these people, guys, quit playing this game with me. I just need you to be serious with me. I want your obedience. And it's always about his obedience, guys. Even when we fail day after day after day, that we would have obedience to the Lord and show Him our sincere love and gratitude. Guys, there's nothing that we can offer the Lord. You can't go to church enough times. You can't read your Bible enough times to be in His good graces. He loves you because He paid the price. And that's the difference. When we look at the New Testament, God sent His Son so that He could pay the price so that we don't have to do what these guys are having to battle with bringing these sacrifices and these things to say, here, be satisfied with this, be satisfied with this. But even in the Old Testament, all he wanted was, was obedience. That's all he wanted. From verses 7 to the end of the chapter here, <clears throat> where he says, but like men, they transgress the covenant. The, the word for men in the Hebrew is the word Adam. (laughs) And some translations actually use the word Adam here. I have an asterisk here with the word Adam. God promised Adam, he promised man his blessings if he obeyed his commands. But Adam, man, deliberately destroyed those commands and he plunged the whole human race into sin and death. And we battle because of that, because of disobedience. God had promised Israel the blessing of the promised land if they obey Him. Again, going back to to, uh, Deuteronomy 28. But they broke the the, the covenant and then they suffered the consequences. And both Israel and Judah, God had appointed a harvest and they would reap what they had sown. This is what the New Testament tells us in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be, be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows of his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so God is not mocked. In the things that we allow ourselves to do that continually disobey God, he will one day say, here, it's enough. Not that you've lost your salvation, but he'll say, it's enough, I'm done. When, when, when he says at the end here, O Judah, also Judah, O Judah, a harvest is appointed for you. I will return the captivity of my people. When the people of God came back from the land after the captivity, the the Babylonian exile. They mainly settled in Judah, the southern section. And the harvest of the returned exiles was mainly of Judah and not Israel. And God would continue, continue, continue to warn Judah, don't be like Israel. The southern kingdom, don't be like the northern kingdom. And I think the encouragement for us as we pray right now as we close up is the fact that we can go, to the most, go through the motions with no emotion, guys. And I don't know where you're at tonight, but maybe it's time to just go, Lord, I just need to be, I just need to be obedient. I, I, there, there's so much in our lives that wants our attention right. There's so many things. And, and oftentimes our prayer is, Lord, take all these things away. Give me a quick fix. And he says, here's a quick fix. Just obey me. That's all you got to do. Just obey. I'll deal with the rest of that. Just draw closer to me and I will draw closer to you. Amen. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, Lord God, for your faithfulness. Lord, you're so good to us, Lord God. Lord, as I read this portion of scripture and I see, Lord God, the game's that were being played and all the right words were being said and yet you called them out, Lord. And Father, I pray, God, that even this, this evening with my brothers and sisters, Lord, I know each and every one of us have played this game with you, Lord, thinking that we're exempt from you seeing what we're doing. And I pray, God, that even tonight, Lord, we would be sincere once again to say, please, Lord, forgive us. Let us draw closer to you, Lord. It's easy, Lord, to say, Lord, take these things away. It's a lot harder, Lord, God, to just draw near and then stay there. And then when we when, when we walk away, that we would be reminded to come right back. And so, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Please give them strength and wisdom. Remind them of your grace, Lord. Remind them of your goodness, Lord. Oh, call us out, Lord, when we need to be called out. But, Lord, you died for our sin, for our past, present, and future sin. You died for the sins that have been committed against us as well, Lord. Remind us of that, Lord, so that we can serve you with a clear conscience.